Welcome to Malicious Mamas, a show that brings you tales of terrifying females from lore, legend, and everything in between. This week, we learn how paranoia can be the downfall of a community. In the spring of 1692, a group of girls in Salem Village, Massachusetts, claimed to be possessed of the devil and started one of the biggest witch hunts in history. It all began with nine-year-old Elizabeth Betty Paris and 11-year-old Abigail Williams, the daughter and niece of Samuel Paris, the village's minister. The girls started having fits, which included violent contortions and outbursts of screaming. Dr. William Griggs was called and diagnosed the girls with bewitchment. This is essentially where things started to go downhill. From here, other girls in the village began exhibiting similar behavior. These girls included Anne Putnam, Mercy Lewis, Elizabeth Hubbard, Mary Walcott, and Mary Warren. This group accused three women of witchcraft. Tichuba, the Caribbean slave of Samuel Paris, Sarah Good, a homeless beggar, and Sarah Osborne, a poor elderly woman. The three supposed witches were brought before magistrates, Jonathan Corrin and John Hathorne, and questioned. During all of this, the girls attended the court, having spasms, contorting, screaming and writhing in pain, as well as complained of feeling like they were being pricked with pins. When they were checked, nothing seemed to be wrong with their physical bodies, so the only logical explanation at the time was that they were being manipulated by the witches. It's also important to note that the people being accused started with women, and it was easily believed as Puritans thought women were inherently sinful, thus more susceptible to damnation. Good and Osborne did not admit guilt, but Tichuba cracked under the pressure. In an attempt to save herself from conviction, she became an informer for the court. Tichuba claimed that there were others that acted alongside her in service of the devil. Once this news broke, hysteria ensued. Many others were accused of witchcraft, which included Martha Corey and Rebecca Nurse, upstanding members of the church as well as the four-year-old daughter of Sarah Good. When accused, several confessed and took others down with them. As the trials added up, the local justice system became overwhelmed. In May of 1692, the new governor of Salem Village, William Phipps, established a special court of Oyer and Terminer to hear and decide on the witchcraft cases in the area. From this, the court handed down their first conviction against Bridget Bishop on June 2nd. The woman was hanged eight days later at Gallows Hills in the neighboring Salem town. Deaths continued, with five more hanged in July, five more in August, and eight more in September. Along with this, seven others accused died in jail. Everything began to dwindle in 1693, and eventually, the accusation stopped. By January of 1697, the Massachusetts General Court declared a day of fasting for the tragedy caused in Salem Village. 
This, of course, did not make up for the deaths that occurred. So what was it that really caused the Salem witch trials? These women were pretty much condemned on what was referred to as spectral evidence, or the dreams and visions told in testimonies. Some believe it was the girls enjoying being heard for the first time in their lives and they got carried away. Others, based on a study done by toxicologists in 1976, think a fungus found in the wheat and rye in the area had something to do with the hysteria. This fungus, when consumed, was known to cause delusions, vomiting, and muscle spasms. In general, we can believe the paranoia was brought on by many things. A smallpox epidemic had recently ended, and many saw the horrors of death which could have caused them to question their faith. On top of this, Puritans notoriously feared the unknown, and neighboring Salem town was becoming influential in the area. In the end, whatever caused this tragedy to erupt doesn't matter. The story lives on as an example of what can happen when humans feed off of each other's fear. On that note, let's conclude this episode. If you have any suggestions on mamas you'd like me to cover or a spooky tale to share, please send an email to maliciousmamas at gmail.com. If you're looking for more mamas in your life, follow Malicious Mamas on both Instagram and Twitter. Also, if you could rate, comment, and subscribe to Malicious Mamas on your favorite podcast app, it would really help to get the show out there, and I would greatly appreciate the feedback. Until next time, keep it real, mamas, and happy Halloween. <laughs>